Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Sherm in the Booth. Ooh, ooh. My name is Sherm. You guys are some true Chicagoans for coming out in January. It's snowing outside, it's freezing, and you're at the f***ing club at 1 a.m. Boys with the bass, yeah, boys, boys, bass. Who am I talking to right now? You're famous. <laughs> free food, free drinks, music. Girls, let's go. Do you like it? Cool. If you don't, goodbye. <laughs> I'm missing the most important part. Boys in the face, yes. We should throw like a crazy like bar mitzvah party. This, this is crazy. Send me stems. I finished it. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? How is everyone doing? Just wait, you know it kicks in like three to five seconds afterward. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone, and welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherman. and today is Wednesday, June 8th, 2022, and this is episode 209. I hope everyone is having an amazing kickoff to your summer so far, and I hope you're also excited about this interview because it's an amazing one. And episode 209 features Bass House superstar Masteria, and wow, is this an incredible episode. I've been a fan of Masteria for years, and I'm truly honored to have him in the booth. In episode 209, we got it all in, and started by talking about his journey into dance music. Born and raised in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Masteria has always had a passion for music. Growing up, he loved rap and rock until he went all in on hard rock, punk, and metal. It wasn't long until he was exposed to electronic music and fell in love with the parallels of feeling that it created compared to hard rock. He cannonballed in and became a hermit for a year, working on his craft until he released his first track in 2018. Masteria was born. Of course, we ran through the Masteria discography, and we had such a blast going through some of his biggest hits, but also some of his most unique tracks that helped make him so well-known for his creativity and dance music. Masteria has a very impressive catalog, and has released on labels like Musical Freedom, Insomniac, Dim Mac, and Bite This. We went deep on the story behind the groovy EP on Confession, long time off the Confession and Night Bass compilation, which is so sick, his track Everything on In Rotation, and his unexpectedly massive remix of Billie Eilish's Bad Guy. Such an incredible part of the interview. We also had a great conversation on navigating the music industry. Masteria started off as a bedroom producer and now finds himself on tours with Chami and AC Slater at festivals like EDC Las Vegas and performing headline slots nationwide. This does not happen overnight, and we discuss some of the key moments that have brought him to this point. We talk self-releases versus labels, social media, staying creative, relationships and networking, and so much more. Get your pen and paper out because class is in session. We had so much fun shopping up and sharing stories from our lives inside and outside the music industry. He's a really genuine and talented guy and deserves so much credit for the years of hard work he's put in. But I gotta say, if there's one thing I learned from this interview, it's that Masteria is just getting started. Much love and respect to you, brother, and thank you so much again for making the time. Let's get into it right now so you guys can hear his story for yourselves. This is episode 209 with Masteria. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to Sherm in the booth. I am here with one of the most influential bass house producers in the fucking game. He goes by the name of Masteria. What is up, my brother? How are you? I am good. I am good. I appreciate the the kind words. What an intro. Dude, you really are, man. Like, you are a cornerstone <laughs> in bass house, for real. Like, 
I'm going to get deep into this shit, but your music is so unique because I just have all these fusions, man. And like, I'm so excited to hear about like your influences. I see you in a Slipknot shirt so I can make some inferences there <laughs> <laughs> by the grittiness on some of these bass lines. Yeah. But um, it's a real pleasure, man. How are you today? I'm doing good. It's warming up here in Detroit. Um, life is good. I just got back from, <coughs> excuse me, EDC this weekend, which was a blast. And then I'm going, uh, I'm going back to Canada this weekend, right before going to Movement. Uh, wow. It's like my favorite festival in the city here. I'm doing some after parties for that. So yeah, man, can't complain. How are you? I'm great, man. Woo, you you do have a little podcast in you. He was telling me before <laughs> he used to do a podcast back in the day. Shout out to the boys' birthday party. I can yeah. tell, man, you've got a voice for the microphone. Back <laughs> You're on not me the there. first one to say that. But you yeah. gave me a lot to work with there. This is going to be a great interview. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I got to hear about EDC, man. That is a, that is one of those festivals where I've always wanted to go, but I decided like until I perform as an artist, you know, the classic goal, I don't want to yeah. know. But what is it like, man? Honestly, like as a fan, as an artist, the whole thing. It's cool. It's like... I've never been to a festival where it's so big in a, such a confined space. It's like just a racetrack, which is yeah. pretty big, but they fit so much shit in there. It's just like <laughs> stages everywhere, like main, big stages everywhere, then smaller pop-up stages everywhere. So many ravers. So it's really an eye-opening experience in terms of how many people you can fit in a racetrack. But like the production was off the chain, yeah. the lights and everything. I only got to really go at night. Um so it was really cool. Also, just more artists in one place than I've ever seen. I just saw so many people, met so many people and ran into so many DJ homies. Um, that was cool. My set was a blast. Um, very thankful for In Rotation for having me. Insomniac Sublabel. They had a bunch of artists out there. That was cool. Yeah, um, yeah the traffic was a bitch, though, dude. And everyone <laughs> complains about it. The traffic, like, like getting, getting in. And fro. Yeah, getting in, it was like two and a half hours just to the artist parking. And uh, so, oh, yeah, that's a but, long time, dude. I know, dude. We were all stuck in traffic, seeing like people run out of cars ahead of us and go pee, like girls fucking peeing on that's like, exactly the desert. That's exactly what I was desert, like, dude, dude, I can't on my like, team that long. <laughs> yeah, everyone was like drinking beforehand, then suddenly they're stuck in the car. So that was kind of funny, but <laughs> overall, great experience, dude. And I'm, I'm very excited to go back. Oh, man. Was that your first time playing there? yeah first time going first time playing yeah Woo, congratulations bro that is thank a you. huge moment thank you yeah it was cool all the during my set they started just busting off fireworks so it was pretty that was pretty cool Fuck yes dude. yeah that is like it's it's amazing to see a festival like that i think it's like four hundred thousand people i mean it's bigger than Lollapalooza, bigger than movement right it's just like insane all the people that come from the world and it's to me, it's so interesting that a festival like that and Ultra are both the United States and they're so different, so fucking different. And it, it gives me a lot of hope uh, and inspiration for the future of dance music because there's so much cross-pollination in both those. Yep, yep. I've never been to Ultra. I went to Miami for the first time this year and got to like do some of the after parties and stuff like that. And that right. was just crazy enough. But yeah, for sure. When you go to events like that, it reminds you like how many fucking fans are out there of this music. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, right. Sometimes I'm just like, does anybody like my music or like who who enjoys it out there? And then you're like, oh, yeah, there's literally millions of people that do. And this is a multi-billion dollar industry. It's out there. And when we all congregate like that, it truly is like just so special. Yep. hundred percent. Gosh, man. Amazing, bro. Well, congratulations to you again. That's amazing. Thank you, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. 
EDC Las Vegas, Masteria. I know, dude. Las Vegas is cool. I really next time I go, I just want to do like the full tourist shit and like go down the strip and like go to a day party and yeah. all that seems so fun. I just had no time for it this time. But. <laughs> yeah, Vegas as a fan is such a blast. You go there. I'm sure you've heard about like the eighty dollar cocktails at like Encore Beach. Where yes. you know everyone's like eighty dollars for a drink. I'm like, dude, you literally get a fifth in a drink there. Like, I'm getting <laughs> a pretty good deal actually. Everybody's yeah. having a blast. The DJs. What's really cool about Vegas to me is like it's like a DJ playground for sets. Like I've seen uh, anybody like the Chainsmokers there and Alesso and Diplo, and they're playing like after party type shit, right? But it's like for a lot of people, so they're mm-hmm. taking chances. They're playing new music. The crowd is loving it. It's just a very unique vibe. Vegas is is truly like one of a kind, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I love Vegas, and I'm definitely hope next time I go, I can spend a little more time just seeing the sights and shit, you know. Absolutely, man. But listen, we're both Midwest boys of heart. I grew up in Indiana. You're originally from Detroit, right? Outside of Detroit, like Metro Detroit. It's a city called Ann Arbor. It's like Ann Arbor, of course. Yeah. Yep. Of course. Who hasn't heard of Ann Arbor? That's where Michigan is, right? Yep. University of Michigan. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Ann Arbor, Michigan boy, then a real Michigan boy. Yep. Yeah, wow, dude. I actually no. went to school like right on uh University of Michigan's campus, essentially, that my elementary school was. And we'd see like all these students like just drinking so many like, cans of like we th- thought it was like pop or something and we we're like dude what are they like just drinking so much for so they're just sitting across the street on the playground uh yeah they really love soda yeah exactly but it was cool living in a city like that because you got kind of like we always really got introduced to the party scene like really early like sneaking into like frat parties in high school and shit wow so when like college came around we kind of all had it like dialed in you know or some kids kind of just go off the deep end as soon as i get to college for sure yeah there's something to be said about that as well there's, there's a whole culture and i went to iu so okay I know, I know all about that man it's like it's strange but when you get there you're like ready to rock i mean it can make or break you though to be honest with you i mean i saw a lot of people that couldn't handle it and um <laughs> it's almost like i don't know you're just gearing up for the rest of your life it, it made me <laughs> a, a professional party or tell you, yeah, you know, all these years later people are like how do you do it i'm like i've been drinking for 10 years <laughs> i started young <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing bro now ann arbor not necessarily known for its its house music and dance music and techno scene but you're not too far away from detroit but like yeah. i said you got the slipknot shirt on man do you remember like when music first started coming to your life dance music aside um man i think i don't think i was like too young i think it was when i was in um like middle school i really i was into like other shit before that like fucking yeah all like stupid pop shit but then i remember in middle school i started meeting some friends who were into stuff and i started getting really into like really into classic rock really into like all that stuff. And I would go, I remember going to the public library and I would copy every CD I could. Just had this massive collection of CDs. I was constantly listening to like <laughs> old school shit. And then I kind of moved on to like classic uh, rap, like Nas, shit like that. Yeah. And I got into like metal. Like I, was, I still love metal. I listen to metal all the time. Um, like Slipknot, System of a Down. Those guys are really influential. And yeah, then I just kind of grew from there. And then I remember... Um, I was introduced, I think it was also in middle school to like Pendulum and the yeah. Chemical Brothers yes. and Moby. And I was yes. like, oh, whoa, this shit is so dope. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, this other 
a group called the future sound of London. I don't know. Most people haven't heard of them. They were like this crazy trippy progressive kind of stuff. And I just got really into electronic music and um, yeah, I think that's kind of where it all started. And yeah, like since then, I've kind of just been really into electronic music way more than anything else. Yeah, for sure. I feel you. But the, but the foundations are, are what brought you to this moment, right? Yeah, exactly. It's crazy when you're young and like your friends are showing you music. You're like, it, it's like how, you know, children can learn a new language easier when you're like developing your brain. So influenced by music, dude. Like I'm right there with you, man. I loved rap music, like Notorious B.I.G., and I'm literally like some white kid living in. Like, <laughs> why am I? Why am I listening to Many Men by Fifty Cent? <laughs> grade? Like, who do I think I am? I don't have a hard life, but like, just to say that, like, the the power of music, especially during that time, it sounds like we're the same exact age. It's so influential. Did you have any friends that were like, dude, dance music is a shit, electronic music is a shit? Because I didn't have many, and it was it took me a long time to really fall in love with it, actually. Yeah, I didn't have many either. All I had is like this one guy I knew whose brother was into Moby and was oh, constantly yeah. showing us this stuff. Yeah. And uh, we were just like fucking little kids, like smoking weed. And we'd go up to his room and he'd play it. And I was just like, whoa, this is so <laughs> sick. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of a little bit of that. And I think that's kind of where I started to just kind of do my own thing and really try and like figure out um, just find as much of it as i could you know mm -hmm. it was in the early electronic days it was interesting like even up and through like high school and college i really felt like i kind of like knew just about everything that was out there like yeah. the early dubstep stuff like i was on top of like almost every artist and these days it's like dude there's you could never keep no. keep track of all of it you know no it's it's wild too like during that time i remember when scary monsters and nice sprites came out that was just like we were talking about skrillex before it, I just, you didn't know what you were listening to. I didn't know what to do, but it definitely did something to you. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? And it was like during that time where I realized like, okay, this electronic music shit is like wild. And I don't know what's going to happen in the future with it, but I just became so obsessed with the energy that it brought. And then you start going to festivals. And I mean, that's where it started for me. I, I went to um at a vici show when i was hmm. uh, in college and i was like yeah you know and i don't even fucking give a fuck i don't care how cliche that is that shit literally brought me to here i mean do you remember like the moment where you're like okay i love this music but i think i want to actually do this um yeah well there was one time i don't know there have been a few times like that yeah i think sure. where i was like like at a festival or something and i was watching an artist perform and i was like fuck yeah. i could do that <laughs> but it kind of took like it took the right life circumstance where i kind of had the opportunity to do that yeah. um yeah i think there was a few like this one time i was at uh oh, what was that festival tomorrow world yeah the one that's in, in the u.s yeah i yeah. was there and i was like just kind of chilling watching zed do his thing and i was like god dude I feel like I could fucking do that. That does oh, not yeah. seem that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's harder than it looks, turns out. But, yes. uh, um, but yeah, so there's been a couple times. What about you? Dude, I mean, <clears throat> honestly, I was lucky enough to travel abroad to Barcelona when I was in college. Sick. And it just really, like, I was just so taken back by, like, 
what the DJ is there versus like in the U S you know, like the DJ that I experienced was the Avicii of the show with all the kids jumping up and down. The DJ over there is like the creator, the master, like he's the holder of the peace and the hell and like everything. And the people like didn't even have to know he was there, but what they were doing was just amazing. And I just truly fell in love with it. And I had been into DJing a little bit before. Like I just got some bullshit tractor controller from a friend that gave it to me. And I remember while I was abroad, downloading songs that I was hearing, gearing up to go back to the US so I could start DJing. Cause I had that moment like you, I was like, I gotta do this. I think I can do this. Yeah. And it just became like a quick obsession. And when I got back, I started DJing at IU and I was lucky enough, there's a lot of opportunity there uh opening for people like blau and audien and then i came to chicago trying to continue it and they were like get in line dude and i was like <laughs> yeah. oh right 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 that makes sense <laughs> yeah yep yeah dude there's there was a lot of people doing it i think when we started and there's even more now um sure. which is which is cool you know i think it contributes and uh but yeah yeah it's competitive it's tough but i think yeah. um i was uh after college, I was working for this startup. That startup we talked about before we started recording. Yeah. Where we were just working like crazy, dude. I was working like seven days a week. We were sleeping in the office a lot of times. And I was, <laughs> yeah. When I, and when I wasn't sleeping there, I'd drive home at like 3 a.m. and listen to music. And just like all of the, my favorite songs, I was like picturing myself performing them live. Wow. during the drops i don't know if anyone else does that but I'm like, i do that <laughs> yeah i'm like fuck dude that would be so cool yeah. and eventually the startup uh it just ended up failing like we could the product could not be we ran out of money it was like a seed stage super early thing i was the first employee and it just didn't work out and so i was kind of left to figure out what do i want to do yeah and i was just like fuck it i'm just gonna really give this thing a shot so wow. that's when i like moved in with my mom, became a hermit and just <laughs> seriously just did nothing but produce YouTube tutorials, all that shit. And just yeah. tried to really hone my skills, made a bunch of bad music. And then eventually it was like kind of okay. And some people, I started getting some decent feedback. Yeah. Like I would send it into like feedback streams. And one time, <laughs> Like it was, I got so there was so much bad feedback, you know. And every time I was a little bit, <laughs> a little bit crushed, and then I would just kind of be like, "All right, fuck," just kind of go back even hungrier. And then one time I sent it in, and all these guys were like, "Holy shit, who who are you? Who is this?" Like all this stuff, and I was like, "Oh man, all right, maybe now it's time to start releasing music." Let's go. So, yeah. Wow. So, what year did you move into your mom's into your mom's house then? Um, for that time. Okay. Um, oh man, when was that? That was 2017. Okay, because your first like song that I could find out that came out was in August 2018. So you like didn't yep. really hunker down for a year then, basically. Yeah, yeah. All my friends were like, "Dude, what are you doing? Like, you <laughs> fucking, you're giving up all this shit. You have like this. Like, I was, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, and uh, it ended up paying off. But yeah, I really just got after it i was really wanted it you know for sure so were you djing at all during that time or just truly no crazy? no i didn't know how to dj like i dj'd a little bit in college on some like 
man, some, it was not record box or anything like that. It was kind of like a laptop thing. And I was just, I was not good. I was, it was a short <laughs> period of time. <laughs> wow. But, There's something to be said though, that you were like, I want to make it as a producer, eventually be a DJ, but you cared that much about music. That's, that's not very common. Honestly, a lot of people start off as DJs as I'm sure you know. Yeah. Well, I knew to do what I wanted to do. It was going to be like the music and yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, dude, I I tried to DJ. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was hitting up locals and shit that I'd see on flyers and be like, "Yo, how do you get booked for these clubs?" And like, yeah, I just had no idea. Uh, and no one fucking hit me up until I had like some releases, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Like, then I, they started putting me on shows and shit. But um, yeah, I literally had no fucking idea what I was doing when it came to like yeah. navigating the industry, getting booked, all that stuff. Well, there's something to definitely be said about both sides there and, and <clears throat> your side here, which is just honing in on the music, finding your sound, building your sonic identity, and then letting everything else come to you. Still doing all the hard work, right? Like you're still networking, you're sending your musical labels, you're on these, um, you know, feedback streams. And then there's the other side of it where it's like, I'm a DJ, I'm going out to the clubs, I'm trying to, you know, cut my teeth, whatever it is, make the relationships. But um, I love hearing the perspective of someone that took your route and, and of course it paying off for you, man, because you have an incredible discography now, bro. Like it's amazing. Like cream to the cream, bro. I'm, I mean, for what it's worth, I'm proud of you, bro. Like it's, it's incredible. Like Thank all you, these dude. amazing label releases, but I, I do have to ask you about your first release though, awakening on ghetto ghetto in August, 2018. Let's dive into it. <laughs> dude. I mean, this was your first track, right? Yeah. All right, let's check out one of Mysterious' first tracks. This one's called My House of Ghetto Ghetto. Your house is my house and this house is mine. actually so sick because we got a little bit of every piece of your current style like there is gritty bass insane breaks seamless fusion of genres how did that end up being your first release um that was one of the songs where i was just like i don't know i really like that one i there's so I like many it too I yeah i never heard it and i was like okay thank you thank you yeah. there's a lot of things i like to fix in the mix now you know <laughs> of, course, song, of course but uh yeah, that was one of the first ones where I'm like, I think this one's pretty good. Um, and so I sent it to like the only labels, like the only label I knew or that actually listened to it. And that was Ghetto Ghetto. And I liked some of their stuff. Hell yeah. Um, and he wanted to sign it. And then I was like, yeah, I guess if a label wants to sign my shit. And I was like, now's the time, you know? Yes. Man, how exciting was that for you? It's a stamp of approval. It was cool. It was cool. It was really good. That's one thing. I don't know. I don't know if it's just me. Maybe you can relate to this, but it's like, yeah. as you, as you grow as a musician in the industry, 
you'll there are all these cool moments along the way like that the your first show all these things and it has this level of excitement yeah. that all of a sudden after that box is checked you don't really like really feel that again yeah absolutely you know and that's one thing i kind of like miss it's like uh like i'll see some posts of like someone getting their song played at like edc mm-hmm. um main state or some shit like that and it's like yeah. that also that happened to me but it's like i just don't really i don't know i wish i cared so much i wish i was like fired up by it like i used to be but like yeah like you said that time i was i remember i was at a starbucks downtown <laughs> ann arbor working at, on my computer and i was just so pumped i was like this is it i'm oh, a, I, i'm signing a record deal i made it <laughs> dude i relate to that so much honestly like i i've been having to tell myself you need to stop and smell the roses a lot more because i'm checking boxes in some way every day like you are right and yeah as cliche as it is to say it is about the journey man it is about those exits you take before you get to the final destination and that should be you know advice to any artist out there you don't have to be a dj or producer anyone who's creative like stop appreciate what you've done and never forget why you started to do it and it's the pure love of it it's not like the acknowledgement, the reception, the fame, the money, whatever. And and I think that's a great perspective to have, bro. For real. And I understand it. Yep, totally. And I agree with all those things you just said. Because it's like, when you're too focused on the destination, it's like it might not even come, dude. It's like there's <laughs> absolutely, there's nothing promised in like the music industry. And it's just yeah. like, you really got to do it like, uh, unless you have some kind of crazy fucking resource or something, or you're like <laughs> your dad's the CEO of Interscope. It's like, you really just got to do it for fun. Love it. Have fun along the way. And if some shit works out and pops off you, that'll be so cool, you know? Yeah. But if it doesn't, you got to be able to really enjoy yourself and like continue. Cause if you get too like focused on the destination, it kind of like gets its fucking fingers into your art and you're like worried yeah. like is this one gonna do it is this gonna be big enough am i gonna be able to yeah. catch up with this person all this shit yeah where it's like you just gotta be present and enjoy making the art and not worry so much about the outcome because it's like dude all the, a lot of the best artists were never really appreciated in their time so you know a lot of them were appreciated later on and it's like that's what allowed them to be like dude i don't think da vinci maybe i'm wrong but i don't think like leonardo da vinci was looking at other artists being like oh dude he's using that fucking no, pastel absolutely. you know it's like he was just doing his own thing trying to do what he thinks is cool and I think that's what the most innovative uh artists do mm-hmm. and that's like to really cut through and grow fast a lot of times it's like the most innovative sound somebody's like dude oh that's like different you know it's not like it's not like another fucking whatever whoever's track just kind of remade not so yeah, yeah that kind of rambling, but that's, that would be my kind of advice for us how to, how to think about these things to, to other artists. For sure. I love the Da Vinci example. Cause I'm a big fan of art. And I think that's the, I mean, I think like that is like the truest form of art where it's like, I'm here's a painting or a drawing years later. Like, I think I just saw some Pablo Picasso thing for like sold for like $60 million. Like what the fucking fuck dude, <laughs> you know? So it's like he, in that time when he was making this, wasn't famous, so many artists. And I think that applies to anybody, again, who's creative. So there's a lot to be said about that. I always bring it up and I always remind myself, like, what's your why? My why for this podcast is the relationships and the time that I get to spend with artists like you. Uninterrupted, one-on-one, where we just talk about what it's like to be going through this together. And that's what I love is the relationships you make along the way, because it is so sick to be like, like Flynn is a great example, right? I, I met Flynn four years ago 
We both entered the spring awakening DJ competition. We tied for runner up the whole time. We were like, dude, who's this guy? Who's this guy? And then we became best friends. And now all these years later, like we're playing big shows together. We're both releasing music and it's just so much more fulfilling than trying to fucking take shortcuts and, you know, end up in the green room by yourself, so to speak. Right. Yep. Yep. Or be a kind of a lone wolf, but uh, yeah. yeah, dude, I like that. I think the why is always really important. I know there's that Simon Sinek has a whole thing, like start with why, you know, <laughs> but we need, uh, we need Simon here right now. <laughs> no, dude, he would love it. Start with why that was very good. You got a good audio book post too. I like I'll be, uh, I'll be Simon Sinek right now. <laughs> <His fucking glasses. laughs> wow. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing bro. So Ghetto or Awakening on Ghetto Ghetto came out and you bounce out on the scene. Incredible. Since then, you've released on Musical Freedom, Insomniac, Dim Mac, Bite This, Mousetrap, DND, shout out to Bijou, Country Club Disco, shout out to Golf Clap and Wavepoint. Um, but there's one that we got to bring up first here, and it's got to be Confession. And before we talk about the tracks, it's obvious you've got a great relationship with these guys. I think you've released four or five tracks with them uh something like that maybe even more because i think i think it's more than that he's in there yeah something yeah released with them a few times amazing bro i mean what what's it what's your relationship like with these guys i mean they believed in you early on and and you believed in them too i mean they chami obviously was a big deal but he started his label around then yeah uh he started i think his label maybe like a year earlier so i was really into all the songs and i love their shit um i still do but especially back then it was like I don't know. It was something I really liked it back then. And it was like my favorite label, the one I wanted to release on the most. So Mm. I remember I had a few tracks and uh, I sent them to this email I got from this guy. It was like uh, (laughs) Chami something at Gmail. Like sound this is the best email. (laughs) And so I was like, fuck it. I sent it. And then I hear back saying, uh, basically saying they wanted to sign them and i'm like no way dude fuck <laughs> someone's stealing my tracks dude this is like <laughs> i'm about to get fucked somehow there's no way confession wants to sign my tracks and it just so happened that chami was doing a show around detroit at that time it was in pontiac mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> i ended up going with my buddy or we we drove it was like 40 minutes away we were almost there. I was like, fuck, I forgot my wallet. So we had to go back, <laughs> home, get the fucking wallet, drive there. And then we go in and Shami was like just coming on. And uh, all of a sudden, the second track he played was one of the ones I'd sent him. And I was like, holy shit, it wasn't a fucking scam. <laughs> holy shit, that's crazy. I know. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's real um so and then it came out like uh, a month later or something but that was that was a really special moment we're definitely clipping that that is, yeah. that is one of those exes we talked about bro yeah yeah That's, that was cool oh man to see that live in person in pontiac so what what venue is that out there electricity electricity yeah that's yeah. what it is wow yeah. i mean that's basically a hometown hometown show for you that's fucking yeah. full circle almost bro yep it was really cool and uh yeah, since then, uh, it's been really cool. The AR damaged goods, Obi is the man. Yeah. I owe a lot of, I mean, I owe all the confession stuff to him because he's the, you know, it went to him, not Chami. Then he passed yeah. them along. So, yeah, very thankful to him. I got to meet him in person for the first time in Miami a couple months ago. That was oh, awesome. awesome. Wow. Yep. 
And uh, I've met Chami a few times. I like open for him. Uh, I played with him a few times and mm-hmm. he's always been like the coolest, most supportive guy. He was fucking put me on the confession versus night base tour. That was amazing. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's cool. It's really cool to have like an artist you've looked up to for so long, be mm-hmm. like so cool and supportive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, amazing. those uh, you got a special team over there. That's amazing, bro. Very, very humbling story. And, and I love that too. You know, I, I, um, I've been involved at hood politics records. Have you heard of hood poly? Before? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're the A&R, right? Yeah, man. started yeah. doing A&R about six months ago, but started like just getting involved about a year and a half ago. And, um, I just love asking that question because it's so important to me and the rest of our team that the artists that sign on the label have a good experience and realize that you're not just a track in our discography. Like you're a member of the family and, I always love too, like when I see an artist like you release on labels multiple times, because there's more to it. And I think I want up and coming artists to know that even if it's a big label too, small or big, right? Like there are good people out there that run labels in the industry because there's the big bad, you know, you mentioned Interscope, Columbia, all that shit, right? Like stabbing in the back. No, man, we like good music and we want to drop your tracks live and we want you to come enjoy the moment with us. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, my fucking deaf dog is barking in the other room. It just <laughs> probably nothing, dude. She's so old. We fostered her. Deaf dog? Oh my gosh. How old is she's she? She's like 12. They don't even know. They found her on the street and she's this old, sweet lady, but she's just. Aww. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, dude, I think that's the, the best labels build relationships with their artists and build them up, grow with them in a really cool way. Like Confessions, great example. Like Nightbase is another great example. For sure. Um, but yeah, so I think I think it's the best way to think about it. Amazing, bro. Okay, I got to tell you a quick story about the Darkness EP. Can you feel it? I was uh, making a song around this time and I found that sample. And like, you know, in the beginning days, you work on a track for way too long. I'm like sending it to friends and like, all right, this is going to be my first track. And I was working on that sample and your track came out. This is when I first heard of you. And I literally was like, oh, all right. Well, I guess Mastery got to it first. So I'll just go fuck myself. Like, <laughs> and that track was so sick too. And I was like, I'm just not going to be able to do it like that. But uh, I feel like too, this has been a hot topic. Like with samples, obviously it's like, it is a integral part of the game. You got to be like the first to this shit, you know? And you were the first to that one too. Cause I heard so many follow-up tracks and I was like, that's Mysterious sample, baby. Yeah, that's funny. That was that track that Chami played that I mentioned. But uh, yeah. All right, let's hear that track that Masteria heard Chami play all those years ago. This one's called Can You Feel It off Confession. I can feel it. Can you feel it? It's uh, it's an interesting world of sampling now where it's just yeah. like, dude, you hear so many of the same samples. Um, yeah. And if you can get, get to it first, it's definitely ideal. But even sometimes someone else will hear a track like six months later that just came out that has that. Then they'll hear yours after. And it's like, oh, man, this person came first. So it's just <laughs> like, yeah, I think the in an ideal world, dude, you fucking somehow like, record. I don't know record your own shit i know it's not it's easier said than done but yeah it's so it's such a turnoff to me 
when I hear a sample I've heard like five times in a track, even when the track is sick, I'm just like, oh man, I'm not going to play it because it's just like, fuck. I agree. I totally agree, man. It, it's got to be very tasteful. That's like what I'm willing to put, play. But yeah, I wanted to ask you about that too because it is interesting. I, I like the originality. I'm all about that. I have a track coming out in a few weeks called Chicago Handshake and a Chicago Handshake is literally <clears throat> this. Have you heard of Malort before? How do you say it? Malort. It's this type of liqueur in Chicago. Okay, I'm glad you haven't. But next time I see you, I'm gonna make you take a shot of this because it's tradition. Let's do it's it. It's like the Chicago li- liquor. That's like it's not very good. I kind of like it in a fucked up way. It's like <laughs> an old style beer, and it's called a handshake because you're drinking them both at the same time. And in this song, me and my boy Sai, we literally took my raw vocals from me just like saying what a Chicago handshake is, like in some reel. And then we took a sample of me taking a Chicago handshake during a live interview. And I was like, dude, holy shit. Like everything I say is original. Why am I not just like sampling things that I've said? You know, it's like, I just, I, it doesn't have to be so difficult where it's like, you gotta be like Ranger Truco who like writes these sick little rhymes and shit. Like, like not everybody can do that. So I encourage people to just like look within and find that originality when it comes to vocals. Cause I agree with you. Yep. Yep. Or, I mean, dude, more people could probably let's talk. More people probably do that shit than they think. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people aren't willing to try, not willing to kind of push it. But it's just like, dude, I think, I don't know. I think people can do anything if they just want to like keep you got like for any of that kind of stuff, you've got to be willing to make a lot of bad stuff before the good stuff comes out. I think some yeah. people are impatient, but yeah, there's just so much original shit that you can do. And it's such a skill that if you can hone it, all of a sudden you can make customized vocals to like the groove of your track. Yes. You can do these ad libs. You can do all this shit. But yes. um, yeah. even with that said, I do like fucking just using a vocal sample, but <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but you can make, you can make a vocal sample original too. Like you said, yes. Like chop, chopping it up, reversing it, whatever. Cause that's, totally. that is when it gets fun. And also on the flip side of the coin, I just said, I also find inspiration from familiar samples and vocals. Right. Yep. So there's something to be said about both exactly absolutely okay so i feel like we you just mentioned it confession night bass collab man dude this was an unreal collaboration between night bass and confession ac slater and chami fucking kings man kings of influence and culture and it's just so incredible what they've done but i gotta say bro your track long time there was a lot of great tracks on there but to me it was either night bass or confession Yours was straight up 50 fucking 50, man. It was so, it is so sick. Well, let's see if you guys agree with me. This one's called Long Time by Masteria off the Night Base First Confession compilation. I guess like for you, how did they like approach you? Were they like, Hey, we're doing a compilation. Did you think I need to make this 50 50 or where did the inspiration come from? Um, so they hit me up saying that they were doing the tour 
Yeah. Um, and that was another one of those moments where I was like, no fucking way. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. And then they said they were going to do a compilation. Um, and I sent them a few tunes. I didn't make them for the, like I had them. And yeah. um, that was the one they were into. I think, I think AC picked them. And I think he just thought that one was more unique. Yeah. Um, thank you, man. I appreciate it. You're hyping me up over here. I appreciate it. I know, it. man. I'm fucking, I'm a gasser, man. I don't know what to tell yeah. you. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, and it was really cool to be on a comp with those guys. Uh, it was even cooler to do the shows. Those guys, I just did the Phoenix stop, but it was, it's crazy how each one of those guys has such a big pull. Like Chami is a fucking God. AC is huge. He has a little night base fam coming out. Yeah. And when those combined together, it was just packed, you know? Um, yeah. And both, both those guys, like can we were talking about before with like Chami, it's like, they're both always gassing up the artists on their labels and like kind of beneath them. And it's like yeah. on all those stops, they brought out all the artists at the end, gave them like big shout outs, all that stuff. Yeah, I was, yeah, it was super cool. That's amazing. I mean, I, AC Slater is someone I really look up to because, you know, what he did with Night Bass is a truly unique sound. He started it probably, I think it was six or seven years ago, but when he did Night Bass City here in Chicago, it was like the, the, the penultimate moment for him. And he made this whole post about it. And I was like, that's so fucking awesome that he just kept going when objectively Night Bass is wild shit. You know what I mean? But like someone like my brother, literally got me in a night base because he's younger than me but he was like dude this night base shit is fucking wild this uk shit like just going crazy like he became obsessed with all those artists like chris lorenzo shift key mm -hmm. and the same thing on confession right like a lot of people have discovered you and i think that there's a lot to be said about leaders of the label like chami and ac slater because you do got to give back it's about giving the next generation that opportunity that platform to grow yep yeah 100 and um it just builds up your whole brand too, dude. It's like now, like if AC were to do like a night based tour, it's like all these dope ass artists in all these cities. Same with Chami. Yeah. Um, same with a lot of labels, but not all labels take that approach. You know, it's like yeah. musical freedom, spinning, they kind of take a different approach. Right. Actually, fucking I met Tiesto this weekend, dude. Did you? Oh, yeah, I was going through security to get into the EDC. Yeah. And I turn around and I see him going through security. I'm like, dude, fucking <laughs> Tiesto has to go through security. And, uh, <laughs> And then I was like, dude, Tiesto, what's up? And, and I was like, yo, my, my Mysterio. And he was like, oh, my. His, it was cool. And uh, wow. Yeah. So that was really cool meeting him too. Yeah. He's a great example of that too. He's always playing up and coming, up and coming artist music. And I mean, it's thanks to them, honestly, that the gener like this, our generation is having opportunities. You could say the same thing about David Guetta. He gets yep. a lot of flack. I don't know why. I, I love his Jack Back project. I mean, I know. Oh, why. fire. Yeah. You know, but like, it's incredible to me. Like, this is a conversation that always comes up, like from the techno and house elitists. Like, I don't like that Alesso or Tiesto is playing tech house on the main stage. I'm like, dude, fuck. Yes, they are. Thank God. Because like, there are so many of us out there that like need our music played on the main stage. Like you mentioned earlier, like yep. that's huge. That's how we get recognized. That's how we take it to the next level. And it's it's a really incredible feeling seeing your music get played right th like that so I, I i'm thankful for artists that have that influence and do give back yep yeah it's like dude what do you want them to play like 2010 fucking big yeah room? dude <laughs> God, some of these fucking people out here but yeah 
I digress. I digress. Amazing, man. Congrats to all the success you've had on uh, Confession. It's a great label. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Huge, man. So you just mentioned in rotation in the beginning of this interview. This is another label that you've worked with consistently. There's a lot of tracks that I want to talk about. But one I got to bring up right away is Everything. Because this track is super unique, dude. And it's like, I mean, you got to admit, it's a different style for you. Like, it's pretty tech housey. But there's so much flavor in here, and I feel like... Ah, you're going to have to listen to this track before we talk about it. This one's called Everything by Masteria off In Rotation. Everything's going to be your... listening to it i'd heard it when it first came out but i really listened to it on some proper headphones and it's like chicago meets detroit in 2022 or like whenever it was released you know modern era because it's got this clawed dirty bird weirdness <laughs> but also this like green velvet relief energy to it i mean what was going through your mind with this track because it's so fucking dope thank you man yeah um God, never felt more confident in my music until after talking to you. Sherman the Boot, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm literally, I'm listening to every single one of these songs. Like, I'm not just being like, oh, so I believe you. About this song. Yeah. <laughs> I believe you. Um, so this one, I kind of started with that. I had that vocal and that was like, it was around pandemic time. And I was like, man, it'd be cool to kind of use, create like a theme with this song. Um, mm -hmm. And then I was kind of just fucking around with stuff. And one thing that I'll do that um, I've learned from friends. Like, I don't think anything I do in music is like that original. It's all kind of just like mashing together shit I've learned from other people. But it's finding random MIDI clips of mm. things that aren't meant for that and experimenting with them. Like, I think this one was like part of like a Beethoven MIDI that I just downloaded online. And I like will do shit like I'll 2X it or I'll like reverse it and all this stuff. And I'll just sweep around with like an instrument on. And I had like an 808 where it's kind of pitching down like, Poof. And I kept found this little thing that was like part of the MIDI. I was like, oh, that's cool. And I kept switching things around until I made a rhythm that was dope. And um, yeah, I kind of messed with a little bit, added some swing. And I thought that was cool. And then just built out the drums, started layering some random shit on top. And, uh, and yeah, voila. Dude, that sounds like you had a blast with it, though. I mean, I can tell by the end result. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun. It's cool, though. I don't know. I think it's cool for producers to always experiment with new ways of generating ideas and keeping it fresh and fun. Mm -hmm. At least for at least for me, like when I approach a track the same way every time, it's like, all right, now I got to fucking make drums. Now I need a, a bass line. It's like it can kind of get repetitive and get like systematic, which I think is like the enemy of art, where it's like the best thing you can do is just start different ways each time, get uncomfortable and just be like, I don't know what's going to happen if I do this, but let's find out, you know? Yes, absolutely. For sure. Go outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. And and correct me if I'm wrong, in rotation, it, it's a sub-label of Insomniac. I know that. Mm -hmm. But it's the it's really the the experimental arm of the label, right? Because like you've released a lot of different tracks on the label. They've released these incredible like uh, compilations and singles. <clears throat> like you never really know what you're going to get, but like, you know, it's going to be good, I guess. I don't know how else to explain it. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I remember like 
I don't know if they've really, if I've seen it de- like defined perfectly how they view it, but it seems like Insomniac right now is a little more like, uh, kind of like tech house and maybe like a bit more commercial in some ways. Yeah. Whereas like in rotation is kind of a little bit more like, uh, yeah, it's kind of like bass heavy. Yeah. Kind of more experimental. I think you nailed it. Yeah, for sure. It's an exciting label to see artists come out on too, because they give, they give opportunities to a lot of up and comers out there, which is yep. essential. And I think Insomniac is like a bright, shiny example, the, the biggest, brightest, shiny example of like how important it is to put other artists on too, like we were talking about. Yeah, hundred percent. And they do a great job. And uh, yeah, definitely, I think it does open a lot of doors to a bunch of artists because they have great promo. It gets kind of plugged to the whole Insomniac network and everything. So Yeah. Yeah, they're running a they're running a great label over there. I I'm I heard uh, it's like not many people running the label. I heard from somebody else like two people at Inrel, four people at Insomniac Total. I'm like, how are these guys doing it, man? It's crazy. Yeah, I think they run a pretty lean operation, and they do yeah, for sure. They do some. Uh, I think they outsource some certain things. Like, um, I'm not 100% sure. I know a lot of labels like that that do run kind of a lean operation. They'll yeah. outsource the certain things like the promo or yeah. like the distribution and they'll kind of just manage the setup a little bit so it's a little bit easier. I can't speak 100% to um, Insomniacs, but I know that's how some labels will do it. For sure. And I think that's actually kind of the truth of the industry is like the back end. It's pretty, pretty slim. Like managers that manage multiple people, agents that have multiple artists, labels that sort through all the demos and you got you got to show some fucking love to the back end of the industry man yeah there's some really special hard workers out there and i know you've experienced that on a lot of levels too oh yeah a lot of uh, a lot of hard workers that just kind of make all this shit happen and you, yes. you see it a lot especially in the live setting when there's all these people like getting your credentials getting the transportation all that shit <laughs> and i'm uh yeah I'm glad all those people, or at least a lot of them, kind of made it through the pandemic. Because I know, yeah. as uh, I don't know, as musicians, we a lot of us had a, a little bit more ability to kind of diversify income streams, things like that. Yeah. Whereas a lot of them didn't. Yeah. So I'm very thankful to all of them who kind of stuck through and are you know getting back into it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate you saying that too. It's so important. And my favorite part about a lot of those people is they are in it for the love of music. You know, hundred percent. They love being the stage manager like they love doing the lights they love doing the pyro whatever it is and i think those guys are actually maybe having more fun than everybody else those guys and girls it's fucking awesome super cool yeah yeah they're artists in their own right they are artists in their own right yes absolutely (laughs) okay we got to talk about your most recent release dark love now this track has levels to it the vocals are so raw and emotional this is different than everything right like that's what i love about you on in rotation but my favorite part is like the pace and tension, like really draw something out of me. And this baseline just rounds it all out. Another one where I can feel like you just had a blast with this track. Yep. Yeah, it was a blast. Uh, yeah, this one, I think this one kind of started with the vocal too. And I think, I think a lot of times that can be a great place to start with songs. Cause sometimes, um, sometimes vocals can kind of feel like an afterthought. Whereas like if artists can kind of start and build around the vocal, which is going to be the center point of like the verse, probably maybe even the chorus, uh, it can kind of make everything feel more cohesive. And that's how that one started. And uh, yeah, I kind of was like, wanted to make something a little bit more kind of on like the dancey tech house side, but it still was like heavy and shit. And so a lot of times with these ones, I'll like create a dope kind of like melody with the bass line. And then I'll, um, 
I'll kind of like duplicate parts of that MIDI, that melody and add it to different synths. So they kind of follow the bass line, but in a different way. And then sometimes I'll kind of fuck with octaves. You know, if it goes like, um, like E to D sharp or something like that, I'll like pitch that E down an octave. So instead of like going down a semitone, it's going up 11, shit okay. like that. And kind of yeah. doing cool automations. I really like doing that stuff. So yeah, this one was super fun to make. Thank God I have my Apple pencil because I'm taking notes on this. <laughs> bro. Good. Hell yeah. Wow, man. Dude, it's so awesome about how you think about your creation process. What is like starting a fresh track like for you? Is, is it different every time? Do you have a process or a template? It's different every time. And I try not to really have too much of a template. Um, okay. But what I do is when I, there's certain times when I don't want to produce, like yeah. if tonight I'm like exhausted and I want to like finish the new Ozark season, I'll like still have my computer out <laughs> and uh, I'll like go through and flip through like samples and vocals and presets. And like, I have like this, my own folder on my desktop. That's like my favorite sample. So I'll have them all in there. And so when I go to start a session, I'm like flipping through samples that inspire me. And so right away, I'll start to get like chugging on it. And so it's maybe it is a vocal, maybe yeah. it's a synth or I'm like, all right, let's create a melody. Maybe it is like part of a little MIDI pack or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm always trying to start it in a different way, but kind of more often than not. One of the most common ways I'll get, get like a drum beat going, just like some simple shit, spice it up a little bit and then start fucking around with the low end and get some sort of baseline in place and then layering things on top and just trying to hear stuff. But what I usually do is like, I'll spend like, 30 minutes to an hour an idea, just try and get a bunch of ideas out, export them. And I won't listen to them for like a couple of days. Hmm. And then I'll go just finish the good ones. Yeah. I love that. You, you, it's, it's like, there's one thing you said about like giving your, your ears some time to rest, but also you got to give like the creation part of your brain some time to rest. Right. Yep. Yep. And it's uh, usually at least in my experience, like the best songs, the foundation was there within the first half hour to an hour, yeah, you know, whereas sometimes I'll just be trying to like fix a song for like days. And it's just like the, it's like, I'm trying to build a house on a bunch <laughs> of like fucking like moldy two by fours or something that's going to fall down. Yeah. So I think um, just trying to get more ideas out. It like increases creativity. You get a better selection of kind of ideas to finish. Mm -hmm. You kind of just let the best stuff rise to the top and only spend your time on what's going to be most valuable, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love what you said there too. It's like, you don't always feel creative. And that's kind of like the fine line. I feel like when you really jump into the music industry, like you, right? Like you are a DJ producer. You're, you need to be making music. You need to be releasing music. You need to be having shows, which means you need to be in the studio working and it's not easy to do anything that much right like yep. why do you think so many people will say they hate their jobs right because like they're doing it so much that you know they might like it but like you do anything too much it just like wrecks you 100 so, percent. find your pace yep yeah and find your balance and don't like you kind of gotta you kind of gotta like hustle and stuff but yeah. I think doing some things like I, I work out, I run, I like skateboard. I do it. I try and get out and like do other things. Yeah. I think if you get too stuck and just being in the studio and shit like that, it kind of like, I don't know, burnout is a real thing. And I think if you, if you haven't experienced it yet and you keep pushing at some point, you will, it can really cause you more long-term problems. So I think kind of understanding yourself yeah. what and like what pace you can work at and kind of pushing it a little bit to the max, you know, getting the fucking RPMs up there mm -hmm. um, is important. But yeah, you gotta, if you push too hard, it can really kind of like 
it can make you hate it, you know? <laughs> yes, it can, man. Absolutely. I mean, I was, uh, I was talking about this recently. Like there are certainly times where I feel like, oh man, <clears throat> I've got this, I've got three interviews this week sometimes. Right. And I'm like, can I do that? And I've realized, like I said, I have to one, stop and smell the roses. Like I did this, like you're doing, this is a good thing that you've got this many awesome interviews too, but also like, don't lose sight of your own personal self-happiness because, um, you know, I, I have realized over the years that like, it's so important to, to know who you are, love yourself. Like you said, like find that balance. I'm, I love exercising too. I love going outside. I love traveling. I don't Mm -hmm. need to be doing social media 24 seven as well too, you know, like we live in a real world and yeah, <laughs> like focus on that because that's, what's going to last a long time. Your actual life, not the success of whatever your passion is. Yep. Not that Instagram posts, <laughs> man. Instagram, Instagram, double-edged sword, baby. The biggest. Yeah, <laughs> it is dude. And that's like another one of those things where as musicians, you just gotta like figure out what makes you comfortable and mm-hmm. what like how you can live a happy life. Cause I think, for most of us, at least, um, if you like for musicians that want to like have a successful career, unless you're like a great dancer, it probably won't be that TikTok or Instagram. It's going to be your music, you know? So like focus, like do what you can and but focus on the music, dude. Cause that's like, that's kind of what we got all got started in this anyway. And that's can, what yeah. can like make or break you. Yeah. Well said, man. Very simple advice there. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Last label release I want to chat with you about past that with jay robinson on mousetrap and the reason i want to bring this one up because i actually hadn't heard it before before i started going through your discography and it for sure just became my new favorite banger to drop dude this, <laughs> this track goes off i know you guys are gonna agree this one's called pass that by masteria and jay robinson off mousetrap <laughs> It's a true fusion of genres. Who is Jay Robinson though? And how did this collab end up happening? Because you know, you have collabs, but not a ton of them. Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar with Jay Robinson's music? I feel I like looked him up and I was like, I was like, I can't remember this guy though. Oh, dude, he's dope. He's super yeah. dope. He's in Europe. I forget exactly where he is in Europe. Um, but he's kind of like a he's been doing it longer than I am. He's really dope though. And he does a lot of his shit on hardware. Like um, he's he's really sick studio with hardware all around him and he'll record a bunch of shit. So I had been talking to him a lot because I love his music. And um, I was like, yo, I have this idea. I think it'd be good for like, I think you'd be into it. So I sent it. He liked it, worked on it, flipped some stuff around. Um, and yeah, it was super easy, really dope collaboration process. But he's uh, yeah, dude, he's really good dude this track is just fun to listen to bass house tech house techno even i mean it's just like enjoyable for the listener and it is a hell of a dj tool too you want to talk about oh, yeah. picking up the energy yep 
super fun dude yeah i like it fun is dropping that track live fun dude and it's one of those ones too where it's the second drop or the second like chorus has it changes it has like different leads and shit like that and it's i like i love those kinds of tracks where the whole thing is a progression it's not just the same thing on the first drop and the second one so Yeah. yeah super fun to play yeah, man. And I think that that's the really interesting part about your music, too, is like, I feel like it's, you want to play the whole track. Like, I'm, I'm a house producer, you know, obviously, I love house music, but there's a lot of house songs out there, particularly tech house songs, where it's like the same thing. It could be a sick fucking track, right? It could have the best, the best lead, the best sense, but like, it doesn't grow. And that's why I love progressive house a lot, because like, I listen to the whole goddamn song. The extended seven minutes. You know? like, I really <laughs> want to earn that shit. Yeah. That's why I love your music too, because like Bass House, I feel like I don't know what this motherfucker is going to do on the second drop. You know, yep. like something's going to change. Something's going to be different. And I just think it, it's it's a really cool way to go about approaching your music is like, I'm composing a song, not making a track. Yep, exactly. Exactly. That's why like, I help a lot of uh, upcoming producers. And like yeah. one of the biggest things I try and like, keep them away from doing is like too much just like command d and duplicating stuff i'm like just try and like yeah. keep it fresh somehow because the more you do that the more you kind of just get locked into the same way the shit was the past eight bars or 16 bars or whatever you know for sure man dude so can uh how do producers if they want to learn from you i saw on your soundcloud how do they sign up uh so i have a patreon page uh so yeah patreon.com slash it's mysteria i'm always doing like free sample packs every month uh feedback on their music exclusive tutorials every month um i was doing a bunch of, like mentorship and uh one-on-one sessions but i just literally don't have time anymore sure. um so yeah i'm always trying to like give back dude and i'm like that was one of the first things i did when i started doing this like i had a little like music production education company like sound academy if anyone remembers that cool. but i love giving back to other producers i love like the producer community and so i'm always trying to like learn give away all the tools i use like ableton rack stuff like that project templates tips all that stuff man a a young ac slater here yeah (laughs) i wish dude i we'll see dude ac is pretty dope i don't know i know well he's been in the game though bro he'd probably tell you the same thing though right doesn't happen overnight yep exactly amazing okay so we've we've talked a lot about label releases i have got to bring up some of your self-releases and free downloads and this is something that a lot of up-and-coming producers ask me hey, uh, do I need to put this out on a label? Like I have these songs. I don't know if I want to self-release. What's your opinion on someone who has had success in both, on both sides? Um, well, I mean, dude, I, lo- I love self-releasing because it's yeah. everything is up to you and you can make like a lot of money with your self-release. Like I get, I get checks every like month essentially for my self-releases. So it's like, and that's not like they went viral and have millions of plays either. So yeah. you own 100% of the revenue. Yep. But in order to do a self-release, I would recommend people understand how to release a song and how to promote it. You know, so working with labels early on or like just fucking trying to figure it out and asking people can also work. But you got to be able to like get the artwork, get it distributed, understand how to get it on Beatport yeah. and push it yourself. But it's like you kind of have the balls like in your court which can be a good thing and a bad thing. And so I like it a lot because you have creative control. You can do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. Um, all the promo dollars you put in kind of come back to you. Yeah. Whereas when you sign with a label, you 
you're giving away like most label deals are 50%. They take 50% of the, the royalties and that's an exchange for the promotion they'll do. Right. So you want to make sure if you're going to sign with a label, you're doing a label that's going to have a dope community. Like you guys have at hood politics, yeah. you know, that there's going to be like, or confession or nightmares in these labels I'm talking about. Yeah. So that's kind of what you're, it's like a fair trade. Sometimes you want to make sure it's fair. Cause sometimes students will like producers will come to me and ask me about a label they want to sign with. And like, I go to their, soundcloud and it's like their songs have like 50 plays and they don't really have any instagram followers and it's like well what's the point yeah like you could just do it yourself run some instagram ads use tone done yep. use playlist push use some of these things and have a way bigger impact and get your money back mm -hmm. um so yeah i love it but the caveat would be you just got to kind of understand how to do it and there's a ton of great resources out there to learn but there's Absolutely. a little more to it I couldn't have explained it better myself. And my advice is just get your music out there, man. Cause you yep. know, a producer, like it sounds different when it's out in the world than it is in your studio. And it's, it's, it's like, again, you got to go outside your comfort zone, put yourself out there. You are the 1% that's saying, here's my creation. What do you guys think? Right. And yep. I, I, it's awesome to see you have tracks that are doing so well, like hundreds of thousands of plays on your Spotify, bro, compared to some of your big labor releases. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Right. That's what I'm talking about, though, bro. Like, just get yourself out there. If you're an up and coming artist, people aren't going to know about you if you don't put yourself out there. If you want to be a music producer and you don't have music out and you're waiting to get it on the right label, and there's so much red tape, especially these days, right? Like, because all these labels were not maybe releasing during the pandemic so much. I mean, releasing on a label, a reputable one, you're waiting probably six months, you know, at, at least. And that's tough. That's really tough. So, I think, yes, there is definitely something to be said about both sides, but I, I'm someone who really encourages self-releasing because SoundCloud, dude, there's still a huge community out there. Like people say SoundCloud dying. It's just slowed down and it's changed a little bit. SoundCloud is the fucking shit. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, still dope. It's definitely, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not the same as it was, but yeah, yeah there's still tons of shit out there, dude. And you can promote your shit through like, Spotify too. Like there's a lot of stories I know of people who self-release songs. Suddenly they started picking up steam and they, they got re-released by a big label. That's true. You know, like I just know someone who was like uh self-release was like going viral on TikTok. They got picked up by Atlantic and then like redistributed and stuff like that will happen, yeah. you know, but it's like, you don't put your art out in the world. A lot of times like the, your shit that you might not even be confident in, that's the stuff to put out there, you know, not the stuff that sounds like that other track that was on a big label. It's like yeah. the weirder shit. Just like, just put it out there, especially if you're a young artist. It's like, what's going to happen, you know? For sure. For sure, man. Dude, speaking of weird shit, escape reality. Are you, <laughs> are you kidding me with this shit? This is straight up tech. No. Well, Masteria blast it off with this one. So let's enjoy it together. This one's called Escape Reality by Masteria. New reality. Mysteria came out. He was like, ah, I'm fucking making this song right now. Dude. Wow. Wow. That is a fucking banger. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Thank you, man. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I try not to like 
uh, I really love like all electronic music. I like techno a lot. And I try yeah. to like not worry too much about genres and just make shit that I really enjoy. So that's what yeah. all my favorite artists do, you know? Yeah, right. So yeah, that one was definitely a little bit more like kind of techno-y, kind of like heavier baseline kick drum, more emphasis on like the kind of like driving percussion and shit. But yeah, that one's a lot of fun. And that was kind of like, that one was dope to do. It's kind of like part of a lot of the like un- the new branding I was doing with like a new logo and all this stuff kind of about like, I don't know, we talked about your why earlier and my why, like it's always been like, I remember when I was like a little kid, like listening to like, I think it probably was like Slipknot or some shit like that in my room, like blasting in my headphones and just like straight up escaping reality and just going somewhere else and picturing myself at like playing this music at like a big festival or some shit like that. And that's kind of like what music's always been for me. Like kind of takes me somewhere else. That's kind of what my goal is with all this like crazy, heavy, visceral shit is it create that same experience in my listeners. And that's kind of what I was going for for that song. So I'm glad you enjoy it. Bro, you're you're bleeding through the energy in that song, man. It's so fucking dope. Hell yeah. I was, I was so impressed that even with techno, you're able to bleed genres together. Peak hour acid. I mean, the track is nuts, bro. So it's so dope. Thanks for giving that one out for free, too. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for, for the people. For the people, dude. <laughs> I'm all about the people. I don't know why I threw this up. <laughs> you threw the thumb in there, dude. That's like... Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I did. A lot going on here. I didn't hang loose. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Last track I want to talk about. Your, I brought up SoundCloud for a reason. Your Billie Eilish Bad Guy remix. I mean, this track fucking blew up, dude. Blew yeah. up. Did you expect it to happen? No. <laughs> <laughs> I never do when they blow up, do you? Yeah. No. It was cool. It was just like the right time and all that stuff. The right style yeah um yeah it was cool how that one worked out and still like people still really like that one like, yeah. i was fucking i i actually played that one at edc one of my yes. good friends was like dude who's that billy eilish remix I'm like dude come on bro <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's so cool because i think it's really versatile um like i played that track like uh, even like a top you know open format top 40 type set in chicago and it's like, it gets the people moving. Like that could be played main stage after hours. I mean, it, it's so much fun How, because you've done some remixes, but did you approach this as like, you know, I, this is going to be a remix or like, how did the actual Billie Eilish remix become a part of it? Um, I fucking, I had the track and someone, or I like the foundation of a track and someone had sent me the thing like, dude, you got to remix this. I was like, Oh, I don't know. And someone else sent it to me. I was like, all right, wow. fuck, maybe I'll try. It is. And, dude, it is fucking gritty. It is a little Masteria actually. Yeah. So I put it in and it just ended up working out. But I think, dude, I think that's the only remix I've released. I've made a bunch of other ones, but I think, yeah, that's the only remix I've actually released. I have, uh, I have a bunch of remixes I've made that I play out, but I have uh, I want to release a lot more, but they keep turning into originals and people like want to collab on them and shit. So hopefully I'll have some more coming out very soon. Wow. The only remix, bro. Woo, come on. Give the people what they need. I know. <laughs> soon. Soon. Oh man. That's awesome, brother. So thank we covered, you. We covered, I it, honestly, it was up to me. This would be a five and a half hour interview. We talked about every single song and you tell me exactly how you made it, but <laughs> we don't have that much time. Um, but there's something, of course, I want to chat with you about um, is the state of the industry right now. I think it's in a really interesting place. You know, we, we look at these lineups that are going on, the rise of popular trends, house music, tech house, 
Chris Lake, Sonny Federa, Lee Foss, John Summit, they're bigger than ever. Um, and it's really a pretty special time as well. I feel like collaboration is at an all-time high. Um, dance music has been, it's not, I don't want to say it's like a revival, but like it's big. I mean, simple yes. question. Why do you think that is? Um, simple answers. I have no fucking idea, but <laughs> if, I had, yeah. if I had to speculate, it would be because I mean, dude, some of these, there's like these trends that come and sometimes it takes, I think what initiates those trends is like a big artist and a big song. It kind of kicks it off. And when you have a few of those, um, it kind of gets people interested. Yeah. And I think also maybe it's becoming like a little bit more commercial or the parts of it are becoming more commercial where they're bringing some of those elements from pop and the songwriting and the big yeah. vocals. Uh, some of that, I think maybe there's a little bit of like how Spotify works with some of these playlists and like yeah. the way people listen to music. Now it's very like all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. So like people, a lot of people working, running, driving, they can kind of listen to this music. That's more like, I don't know. It's like the new fucking morning commute music almost some of this like tech house shit it's kind of yeah, man, you know crazy. so i think it may be a combination of all those things but who knows it's a machine it's like it's it's been turned into like this giant machine man it's like the fucking matrix revolutions up in this <laughs> yeah like everybody's in their own pod and they're just injecting into it that's really interesting actually the spotify part i, I that's something that we all know i mean it's the biggest streaming platform with the most users and you feel like i mean obviously it's curated towards me but like the mint playlist and housework and things like that it's like, like all they have on there is tech house i don't know if it's just dude it's what. crazy man <laughs> yeah. you know it's like and i think you you made a really good point too like uh let's say lady gaga and dua lipa for example right the producers that are credited but not really known about on those albums are produced by some of the biggest either ghost producers in dance music or actual dance music producers like lady gaga's album has chami credit on there axwell uh dua lipa is people like sg lewis um right and like it's just great to see those guys obviously diplo and is a huge and axwell but like hey those are the people that are making this popular music top 40 folks like that's the yep. reality you know yep so it's I, I agree with you, man. It's like a really interesting time right now because we don't really know why it's doing so well. I mean, people want to dance for sure. That's what I've been saying. People definitely just want to dance. Yeah, there's some of that. There's also the way um, the way video platforms like TikTok and Instagram Reels have also yeah. changed a lot about dance music and how some of those songs are like consumed and how it's cool, like kind of background music to a lot of content. Yeah. But then it's like, dude, I don't know really if what I'm seeing is what everyone else is seeing, because we all have these fucking things, but I, there's a ton of electronic music in my feed, but yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the industry is in a, in a very interesting place, um, but it's, it evolves so quickly and I'm sure it'll continue to. So I'll be very curious to see how it, you know, how it looks in like five years from now. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's only continuing to grow and, um, I think it's really cool. Like while there are big dogs like Insomniac throwing huge events, there's so many collectives out there and labels. Like I think Desert Hearts is a really great example of people that have great built a community and sure. they're getting booked to do stage takeovers at big festivals because like, I mean, listen, bro, you and I have been to a lot of festivals, right? Like it took Skrillex 
like coming out of his shell for me to be like, oh, I'm, f- I'm fucking really pumped about a festival, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I love festivals, but like, you know, Cascade coming to play at Lala's just doesn't have the sting like it used to for me. Right. And I think totally. there's a lot of people out there that are like us that like we started in the EDM boom in 2009 to 2012 progressive happened, trap happened, dubstep happened. They're all still there. Right. And now we're just like, hey, you know, I want to rage, but like, can I dance instead of break my neck this time? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So totally. it's well, there's, there's still a lot of fucking a lot of kids who want to break their necks. There so. are. That's a, <laughs> yeah. like, that that's a huge community, right? But you were talking yeah. about like the commercialization, like house music was still pretty underground in the US, except for Europe and a lot of other places. But now you're seeing house music names on, you know, these main stage lineups. And I mean, I think it's a good thing. It's how it goes. It's just going to be important that the community retains like where we all started, you know, like Chicago and Detroit, man, like, which is built upon like accepting everybody, you know, whoever you are, you're welcome in this house. And I think that that's pretty obvious um, these days because there is so many different types of people that enjoy it. So I hope that we just continue upon this path. 100% couldn't agree more yeah we will we will so I want to ask you a question too bro you know being creative let alone a DJ producer we were talking about putting yourself out there being the one percent it has its ups and downs have there been any obstacles over the years or any moments where you felt like you couldn't do this anymore and how did you get through it um yeah for sure there's been all sorts of shit um yeah. Let me think. I think definitely. <laughs> let me think. I have the list. Yeah, let me here, fucking actually. go through all this shit. Uh, <laughs> Whatever you're willing to share. Yeah, I think one of them was definitely kind of during the pandemic when it was like I wasn't really making any money. I was basically I was in this little apartment in Detroit. It was a fucking studio apartment. It was like a it's called a micro loft. Essentially, I was like sleeping in my kitchen. Oh. Uh, and I was like in this little room, all of quarantine, just like making music. Like, and I felt like I was just like, oh my God, this is like the same. Every day is the same. I'm not making any money. What is going on? When is this going to yeah. end? Right. Um, so that was definitely one time when it was just tough. And that was probably the first time I experienced like a little bit of like burnout where I was like, okay, I'm starting to just like feel a little bit different towards making music. Yeah. I think I need to like make some changes. Yeah. So that's when I started just doing way more stuff outside of the studio and like getting out there, running around, skateboarding, going to the gym, seeing friends, shit that's not just like music. Um, I started approaching music differently and it kind of really helped and refreshed everything. And that was a lot of fun. But I think definitely that at that point during the pandemic was like, man, this is tough. And I think everyone kind of went through some shit kind of in their head during the pandemics. And that was kind of mine. Um, so this is a crazy time, dude, especially being like musicians and creatives where suddenly you're just kind of like isolated from all this stuff that you love. Yeah. And living in a city like Detroit, where like normally there would be thousands of people around you. Yep. Now it's just like me and all these rats fucking running <laughs> around the streets. <laughs> yeah, dude. I feel you, man. Thanks for sharing that, by the way. And yeah, I know there's so many people out there can, that can relate to that. I mean, Whew, like it seems like a long time ago, but it really wasn't. And this shit is yeah. down in many ways, you know? So it's just like, I don't know. I think we all kind of got jaded. I had that moment too. I was like, what am I doing this for? Like, is anybody listening to me? Like why, you know, I can't DJ anymore. Like that's one of the main reasons I got into this and <clears throat> just flip the script in my head. Like I said, remember my why 
Dude, yep. I still can do the same thing. In fact, that's why I've taken such a leap forward. I can do these remote interviews, right? Like I love in person. There's so much fun for me, but I was like, damn, you know, I can go global and everybody's at home now. Like there's time yeah. to do this. And DJ, Mr. Worldwide. Yeah. Mr. Worldwide. Yeah. Mr. Worldwide for sure. And fuck it, man. I had fun with the live streams, dude. I did like a power hour. Like I planned it out, you know, like got really creative and recorded these live sets and like, uh, you know, on rooftops and um, really just explored like the creative side of my brand. And um, I've never had more fun this past year and a half with it. And it's just like, man, it was, a, I was in a dark place though, you know, and I know a lot of artists were. Yep. Well, thank you for sharing, man. I'm yeah. glad you were able to tune into your, your why to kind of pull you out of the ways of thinking, you know? For sure. I mean, I've, in the beginning too, like I kept kind of doing it, but I was feeling even crazier than before. I was like in my room, you know, talking to somebody on Zoom, which was a new thing for me. And I'm just like, whew, I'd be done. And I'd be like, all right, back, back to my couch. This is, <laughs> that was exhausting. Like, yeah. You like repeat the next day. And it's just like, I mean, everybody had their own form of like mental fatigue, but man, we're here now. I'm happy. Things are good. 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 I'm glad to hear it. This is, I feel like I've turned into a therapy session. I'm ready. To <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got the candles on too, man. It's yeah, like, I know. I'm setting the mood over here. Very comforting for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. So you just had a track come out. What, what's next for you? You just played at EDC Las Vegas. The definitely the fire is hot underneath you right now. Uh, <laughs> um, I think one. so this weekend I'm finish or I'm doing another date. I have the it's a little uh, Canada tour planned and then I'm doing another date on that the following weekend and then I'm doing some movement after parties this weekend um, some other dates coming up and then I have a big collab coming out next month with like one of my favorite artists um, so that'll be cool someone who's like been a big supporter of mine for a long time so I'm really excited for that one to come out um yeah more stuff coming with insomniac this year some more stuff from some of my other favorite labels some self-releases just gonna be doing a bunch of self-releases um and uh yeah man just continuing to push fuck yes bro i love that yeah yes energy is there bro i'm telling you you've like you've got momentum right now it's so good to see you come out on the other side of all this and and just be like a fucking freight train bro <laughs> thank but there's you, people on your freight train it's not like it's a, it's a fun freight train actually yeah well thank <laughs> you man i really appreciate that and i appreciate all your kind words dude i'm excited for everything that you have coming too thank you bro yeah man and dude i told you before if you didn't already know this you got a serious fan base here in chicago man people love base house here like it's it's a bit of a like cult following here like we just had an event you know you know saint punk right oh yeah <clears throat> I just had him on the podcast. He came in and we did a show with him and I great guy. Right. And I, you should do, I mean, I would love to hear you do a fucking rock remix with him. That would be fucking epic. Cause he loves like system of a down too. We might already be working on a song. I had a feeling. Okay. There we go. You guys are a fucking match made in heaven. <laughs> uh, but like I was telling him and he was like, damn, like, yeah, Chicago has a really like hardcore following here. And I'm like, Dude, we have like, there's a lot of like metal heads here that also like cross over into the bass house and dubstep realm. Yep. Totally, dude. Totally. Um, yeah. A few of the people I know in Chicago are that same way. There's big metal heads who also love electronic music. <laughs> dude, it's crazy. There is literally like a huge like 
crossover of people that like either started in metal were like singers or like drummers or whatever and they fucking love hard dance music because like, <laughs> you get it like it's like yeah i'm here let's fucking go yeah I hell yeah i live for that shit man <laughs> fucking awesome it scares me a little bit sometimes but you know what it's a wake-up call baby <laughs> yeah, it is. It's Love like that. The, it's like the fucking smelling salts of dance music, bro. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Woo, all right. Yeah. Open. yeah. Here I go again, dude. What the fuck is going on with me? I got to chill. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, yeah let's chill out a little bit. Yeah. Just hang loose a little bit, bro. You know what? Those candles have really brought me to a safe space. Good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> Steven, this has been such a pleasure, bro. I really appreciate you making some time for everybody that's listened all the way through. Thank you. Make sure you go check this guy out. It's going to be a big year for him and beyond. Hey, much love, brother. It's been a pleasure. It was awesome getting to know you. And I'll be looking forward to hopefully hanging out in Chicago soon. Absolutely, brother. Let's keep in touch. You're an awesome guy. And I can't wait to share this one with the people.